Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. Let's get ready to lean in. We have been on this short series called Against All Odds, and I want to bring to you the the second installment that's really going to lead us to this place of baptism. I'm going to cut you a break, though, because i got a lot of scriptures that I'm going to read. So let's pray, then I'll seat you, and then we're just going to go where God has us to go today. Sound good? Come on, let's now pray for the reading of the word, and let's pray for the hearing of the word. Let's get our hearts ready to receive what God has for us. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, God, for the worship that's gone forth. We thank you, God, for the incredible announcement that we just heard. And now, God, I pray that you recenter our, our hearts and our minds to receive your word. We open up our ears, Lord God, to hear what your spirit is saying. We open up our hearts, Father, to hear what your spirit is saying. Fill this place, Lord God. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Clap your hands one last time and you may be seated. I got a lot of scriptures. That's why I'm seating you. We're going to begin in the book of Acts chapter one. We're going to continue on right where we left off last week. Let me read from chapter one verses 12 through 14. It reads as follows. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount called Olivet. We started last week where Jesus is talking to his disciples, tells them go to Jerusalem. And this is what happens next. They go to Jerusalem. So they traveled a Sabbath day journey away. Now, when they had entered into Jerusalem, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus and Simon, the zealot and Judas, the son of James. There was a good Judas. Okay. Not both Judases were bad. Just one was bad. All right. So the good Judas, he was still there. Now, all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. Now we're going to go to Acts chapter two, verses one through four. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they all were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Let's go to 238 now. And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Last verse 241. So those who received his word were baptized for those who received his word were baptized that was their response to the word that they had heard they got baptized and they were added that day about three thousand souls somebody say three thousand that's a lot of people that responded to the word i want to talk to you on this thought for just a few minutes called give me a witness give me a witness we're in olympic season how many of you enjoy watching the olympics Y'all enjoy watching this? I do. I, 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 like, I like zone in. I really do. I know some of you could care less because I get it. Some of the sports, they're kind of weird. You wonder how they even made it to the Olympic sport, if you're honest, right? Some of those, you know, they're like dancing and twirling things. You're like, is that a sport really? But, you know, it's a sport, okay? So we're going to let them do their thing. But, but, but I lock in, man. I watch that stuff. That twirly thing, I'm like, I, 
I couldn't do it. I know I could never do it. So God bless them. You know, they're out there twirling their things. And I do. I enjoy watching. I enjoy watching the parade of the nations. How many enjoy the parade of the nations on the opening night? One by one, they come filing in. And the, what they are wearing is incredible, right? I mean, sometimes what the brothers are wearing, they need to put a shirt on, okay? Making us with our dad bods look bad. I'm like, yo, put a shirt on. Don't come out like that. But you know, they all come out just in their own way. Some of them all dressed up and some of them lacking T-shirts. But nonetheless, I, I enjoy, I watch it all. I, I'm here for it. I love watching all of the Olympics. Now, we're spoiled because we grow up in the United States of America. And I don't know how you feel about it, but I'll tell you how I feel about it. It's the greatest nation on the world. I'm not saying it's perfect. Far from it, but hey, listen, I'd rather not live anywhere else. I am happy to live in this great country. And as this great country steps on to the field, did you all watch it? And it's like, and now with 657 athletes, like nobody sends more athletes than the United States. Nobody does. I mean, we are the number one, and there is a beetle in the tent. My God. And he's, he would just happen to just kick it by the screen. You know, one thing that my father-in-law used to do, he would get those beetles and tie a string to the leg. Some of y'all know what I'm talking Some of y'all tempted to do it right now. You're like, I wish he would fly by me. And during the Parade of Nations, I can bring it right back. During the Parade of Nations, <laughs> how many of you feel bad when they come out and they're like, with two athletes, you know? I kind of feel a little bad. I'm like, we go out there and globally flex with 657 athletes, and then there's the two. And you ever seen the countries that just have two that walk out? Aren't they just, like, so excited just to be there? You know what I mean? Like, we're here. Like, I don't plan on winning anything, but I'm here. Because typically they don't. You know, they're, they just don't. They typically don't. And they're just so excited to be here, just waving, like, Mama, I made it. Look at me. Just happy to be there. And, you know, you see the big dogs roll in like the United States, 657 athletes. Japan walks in. Japan walks in. I think they're like 617 athletes, and it's in their home turf, right? So already they're favored to win all kinds of medals because, I mean, it's the pools they swim in, the floors they dance on, et cetera, et cetera. China walks in. They've got all kinds of athletes. But this is the Olympics, and, 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 and I love the fanfare of it, but I, I say all that to paint a picture of where we left off last week, and I was thinking about it. I said, we went straight from Summer with Friends right into Summer with Phil, and he did a good job preaching. Yeah, Summer with Phil continued last week, but I'm going to pick up where, where Summer with Phil left off, but, but remember, Jesus told his disciples this. He's standing on the Mount of Olives, and he says to them, remain in Jerusalem. Look at your neighbor and tell them, Remain. Jesus telling his disciples to remain in Jerusalem was like going to that country with two athletes and saying, go to the United States on their country and compete against them. You need to understand that when Jesus told his disciples, go into Jerusalem and remain there, he was sending this ragtag small amount of believers right into the mouth of the lion. You see, because in Jerusalem, there was roughly 6,000 Pharisees. That This was the, the, the religious influencers of Jerusalem. There were about 4,000 that were part of the Essenes, another, another sect of Judaism. There was about 1,000 Sadducees. So you, you add all those numbers up, there's about 11,000 religious influencers. And Jesus looks at the 500. He says, go to Jerusalem. 
I want you to go to Jerusalem where you are going to be greatly outnumbered. When they arrive, listen, the 500, when they first show up to Jerusalem, the 500 of them, when they get to the upper room, they represent 5% of all religious influence in Jerusalem. When the crowd didn't dwindle down and there were only 120 left, they represented 1% of all religious influence in Jerusalem. Tell your neighbor against all odds. So it wasn't just, again, that the Jesus followers were smaller than all other religious influencers. They were playing an away game. They, they, you see, the, the disciples' home base for the Jesus followers was a city called Capernaum. Capernaum is the city that Jesus based his ministry out of. There was a lot of people who believed in Jesus in Capernaum because that was Jesus' home base. That was basically their home field. Going into Jerusalem now, just grossly outnumbered, was taking a small minority of people and going on to the enemy's turf. They were outnumbered. They didn't have the influence and they certainly didn't have the advantage. How many of you remember playing sports in high school or maybe some of y'all went on to college? How many appreciated home games? Y'all know what I'm talking about, home games, right? You had that advantage. I, I remember I wrestled in high school and, and every time it was time for a wrestling match, it was always the same thing. The other team would come to our gym. We would do the weigh-ins after weigh-ins. Everyone would get suited up and then we'd all roll around on the mat. You know, we're getting ready. We're getting warmed up. Wrestling match is about to start. Then all of a sudden, they would get all the home team, uh, our wrestling team. We would put us all into the wrestling room. And then the visiting team, eventually, they were told, okay, you got to clear the mats. You got to clear the mats. And then we were ready to make our entrance. This is the benefit of being the home team. All of a sudden, my brother Jacob, you remember this. Welcome to the jungle by Guns N' Roses would start blaring through the gym. And out came a bunch of pimple-faced, hormonal teenage boys in spandex. Came running out. We started running around that mat. Then we started doing side to side on the mat. We're like sparring with the air. Then we stretch each other. The whole time, just music, blaring, blaring. And why did we do this? Because we're trying to get in the head of our opponents. And listen, sometimes it worked. Sometimes the team, I remember one time this high school rolled up and they were better with us, but they took the L that day. Why? Because they were on our home turf. They were on our home turf. They had the disadvantage because they were in our house. I want you to understand that this is what it was like when the Jews entered into Jerusalem. Now, now think back to when they first rolled into Jerusalem. Remember when the disciples first rolled into Jerusalem when Jesus was still with them? What happened? Jesus sat on top of a donkey. You remember that? And then he comes down on what is called Palm Sunday. And people are laying down their palm branches saying, Hosanna, Hosanna to the King of Kings. And they're just announcing that Jesus had come. So the first time that the disciples entered into Jerusalem, they had the Son of God with them. So they were like, yeah, we got this. No matter that there's 5,000 Pharisees, it doesn't matter that there's 4,000 Essenes or 1,000 Sadducees, we got Jesus with us. But now... He's gone. Now he's ascended up to heaven and he tells them, go back. That's like trying to play the goon squad without LeBron James. For those of you that watch Space Jam, for those of you that refuse to watch sequels, then that's like playing the goon squad with Michael jo without Michael Jordan. So, so the disciples, when they are coming back, this is everything that they're having to face. They don't have the numbers 
They don't have the influence. They don't have Jesus, their star player. And yet, this is what I want you to get. When all of the odds were stacked against Jesus' followers, this is when he began to get to work. Jesus waited until all of the odds were stacked against the disciples that he began to get to work. And I like what Luke says here because he says, so the disciples start to walk in. Finally, they said, well, let's go to Jerusalem. Who was leading the way? Peter. The first man to follow Jesus. I'm sorry. The first man to lead the procession into Jerusalem. The first one to hear Jesus and to respond was Peter. Say that with me. Say Peter. Peter, Peter of all people. Do you remember what Peter was doing just before Jesus died on the cross? He was denying him. Peter began to distance himself from Jesus. And the Bible says he went to a party on the night that Jesus was crucified. He decided to hang out, go to a party. And then while they were having a bonfire, probably having a few drinks, they looked at Peter and they said, aren't you one of the ones that is with Jesus? And what did Peter say? Nah, that's not me. You got someone else. And they said, no, 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 that's you. No, 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 no. Really, you've got the wrong person. And then a third time they said, you look just like that man that is with Jesus. And Peter denied him a third time. Three times Peter denies Jesus, and he, re, he becomes the most unlikely hero. But yet he's the first person to walk into Jerusalem because in response to the word that he had heard. If you're taking notes, write this down. Your failure is not final. Okay? Write that down. Your failure is not final. Final. So not only are they going into the lion's den, but the one that's leading the charge is a guy named Peter, who when he had to represent, he rolled over. When it was time for him to stand for what he believed, he caved. When it was time for him to finally say, no, 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 how much Jesus fall? What did Peter do? Nah, man, you got the wrong guy. It's not me. And yet this is the first person who leads the procession back into Jerusalem. I think about this because there was some brothers that rolled with the disciples, James and John. Do you remember James and John? You know what their nickname was? The Sons of Thunder. I mean, I thought, why couldn't they lead the church? You know what I mean? With a name like Sons of Thunder, I get this visual because I've got an 11-year-old and I watch all kinds of Marvel of Loki and Thor. You know what I mean? I'm like, they should have led the church. Maybe it was John. He probably looked like Chris Hemsworth. You know, I was like, he should probably lead the church, but it wasn't him. Then there was a guy named Simon the Zealot. He also rolled with the 12 disciples. Simon the Zealot, I mean, when you got a name Simon the Zealot, you know you're bad. You know what I'm saying? It's like, and as a zealot, he was a political influencer. So he was a galvanizer by nature. So I think maybe it would have been Simon that would have been the one leading the procession. But no, 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 no. The person that's going to lead the procession is Peter. And I don't know if you know much about Peter, but Peter's 25 years old and his best friends are like 15. Yeah, he, he owned the fishing company and everyone else worked for him. You ever met that 25-year-old guy that still hangs around 15-year-olds? Yeah, it's a little, little off, you know? You're like, bro, go find yourself some guys your age. But it's like they like being with the young guys. Why? They can win, you know what I'm saying? They can flex on their money or whatever it is. But you're like, bro, go hang out with some older people. That was Peter. But, but this is something that I've learned, and this is something that we believe here at Lighthouse Church. Every saint 
has a past, and every sinner has a future. Come on, put that on the screen. That's from Oscar Wilde. I wish I could say that was me. And it's not some of those influencer preachers you listen to either. It was Oscar Wilde who said, every saint has a past and every sinner has a future. You see, it was Peter who years earlier in Matthew chapter 17, when Jesus would ask the disciples, who do men say that I am? Nobody would get the answer right with the exception of Peter. In that moment, Peter blurted out, well, Jesus, you're the Messiah. And in that moment, Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And blessed are you, Simon Peter. And in that moment, Jesus gives Peter the keys. He says, and I give you the keys to the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. In that moment, God deputized Peter. And even though Peter made a mistake, and even though Peter failed Christ, and even though Peter failed the disciples, Jesus never gave up on him. I said Jesus never gave up on him. And how many realize that that's the heart of our father, that even when we don't get it right, he doesn't give up on us. Even when we make a mistake, he doesn't give up on us. Even when we are not faithful to him like he's been faithful to us, he doesn't stop loving us. Why? Because he's the God that said that my gifts and my callings are without repenting. If I called you, there's nothing that you could do that could ever separate you from my call. He's the God who who said that my word will not return to me void, but it will accomplish what I set it out to do. So it doesn't matter how many times you failed. If God spoke a word over your life, get back up again, get in the game, keep on doing the thing God has called you to do because unless you're dead, God is not done with you yet. Your failure is not final and you've got to believe that the God who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it until the day that he comes back for his church and that's why Peter of all people led the procession and what I love about all of this is it reminds me that no matter how far you've gone and no matter how long you've been gone listen to me some of you are here today because your friend invited you to church some of you are here today because you came to watch a baptism but you're here as a spectator thinking that there's no way that God could ever bring you into the church there's no way that God could ever use you let me tell you there's nothing that you could ever do to make God stop loving you And because he loves you and because you're breathing, there's still hope for you. And there's still a future for you. And this is the heart of our father. And it's not just the heart of our father, but this is the heart of Lighthouse Church. Let me just say that about who we are. This is the heart of Lighthouse Church. I like to think about us in this way. We are the perfect church for imperfect people. We are the perfect church for imperfect imperfect people. But listen to me, if you think you're perfect, if you think you're Jesus' first cousin, if you feel like you're above everyone else, you're probably not going to fit in here. Because we are not a country club for the saved, but we are a hospital for the broken. I said we are a hospital for the broken. 
So when you come with your issues and when you come with your drama and when you come with your baggage, please know we're not going to judge you. All we're going to tell you is sit right here. I got some drama of my own. Sit right here. I've got some baggage of my own. Sit right here. I'm not perfect either, but I serve a God who's perfect and I'm part of a church. Oh, it may be flawed, but it's a beautiful church and it's the bride of Christ. That's what Lighthouse is and that's what we're going to continue to be in this city. I like saying it this way. Every sinner has a future, and we are here for it. I mean, I'm here for it. Y'all hear that stuff? I love that. That people say, man, I'm here for it. I think sometimes the millennials come up with the dopest sayings. I'm here for it. What does that really mean? We are here to watch what God is going to do in and through you. And today is just another one of those days where we get to see what God is doing in and through people. We've got some people getting baptized today that, my God, it, it was as if God ordained the whole thing. We've got people getting baptized here today where it could not have been orchestrated any better. But that's what God does. That's how God lines everything up. But but, but let's go back to to the text here because I like I like how we see that God, you know, continues to use Peter, even though Peter had failed God. We read something in Romans chapter four regarding Abraham. That is really something that I need for you to get deep down on the inside of you. Romans 4.18 said this, speaking of Abraham, when everything was hopeless, Abraham believed anyway, deciding to live not on the basis of what he saw he couldn't do, but on what God said he would do. When the church goes back into Jerusalem, I believe it was much of the same way. When the church goes back to Jerusalem, I believe that it was the same way. That they had to believe against all odds. These group of 500 believers had to believe even when it looked like it was hopeless. But this is what you have to do. Number one, you must receive the promise. Write that down if you're taking notes. You must receive. Look at your neighbor and tell them receive. Listen, you cannot earn, all right? Just get that right now. You cannot earn. What we receive from Christ is a gift that he gives us, and it's not based on how well you perform. All you can do is receive. That's why Peter, I believe, led the charge of the disciples that walked back into Jerusalem. I mean, Peter got, like, right in the front of the line. And maybe Matthew was back there judging him, like, bro, you, you sold out, man. Like, what are you doing in the front of the line, Peter? Like, you denied Jesus three times, and you're going to get in the front of the line? Come on, some of y'all, this is what you do with your coworkers. Come on now. Mark. <laughs> but, but Peter was like, no, no, I'm getting in the front of the line. Because Jesus gave me the keys. I love that. Don't you just love that? Peter's like, he gave me the keys, so get in the back. And he leads the procession into the upper room, and he stayed there. Now, I love this because, as we talked about last week, 380 people left. And th- this was a 10-day prayer meeting. Everybody tell your neighbor 10 days. Bible says they went to the upper room and they began to pray for 10 days. <laughs> 10. Some of y'all 10 minutes and you're like, I'm tired. <laughs> Get this, okay. 10 days of prayer, probably only ceasing to eat and to use the restroom. This was a lot of prayer. But think about this for a second. The Peter who doubted God and the Peter who failed Jesus made sure that he wasn't going to fail him this time. Sometimes that's what brokenness will do to you. Sometimes that's what pain will do to you. The fact that the first time it didn't work out taught you a lesson and it makes you stronger. So the next time you're faced with adversity, there's no way you're giving up. Can I get a good amen on that? 
That's what adversity will do to you. It didn't work out the first time. Oh, but the next time? Oh, but the next time? And Peter's waiting. I can imagine people were leaving the room. First goes 10. There goes 20. Before you know it, Peter's like, looks up. He takes a break from right. There's less of us here. <laughs> like, come on. More people have left than have stayed. And yet Peter remained. And because Peter remained, somebody say he received. He received the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, now I want you to get this. And I'm coming to a close now. Let me get some music because that will help me to wind down. So Peter received the Holy Spirit. Somebody say Holy Spirit. I want you to catch this now because the Bible says in Acts chapter 2 that they didn't just receive the Holy Spirit, but they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Come on, how many have been baptized in the Holy Spirit? I'm talking about you've been wrecked by the Holy Spirit. Like, like you, you went to church and Holy Spirit got a hold of you. You started crying uncontrollably. You started sobbing and you didn't know why. Some of you started speaking in other tongues and you're like, whoa, what's that? The Holy Spirit baptized you with his presence. And Peter needed that because the difference between Peter, the preacher on the day of Pentecost and the Peter who denied Jesus three times was he was baptized with the Holy Spirit. And that changed everything. That changed everything. That's why y'all need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Come on, look at your neighbor and tell him you need the Holy Ghost. Come on, I want you to tell them with a little bit of attitude, okay? Like, like, like your religious grandmother would have told you, you need the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Some of you do. Senior Instagram. My Lord, have I'm like, wow, they turned up like that? I mean, I'm glad they're turning up at church, but they turned up like that, that. You know what I'm saying? But, but the Holy Ghost makes the difference. And it was the Holy Ghost that made Peter the preacher that he needed to be on the day of Pentecost. This, I love this saying right here. The Holy Spirit doesn't make me better than you. It makes me better than me. The, the, the Holy Spirit doesn't make me better than you. There's some religious people that walk around like... I have the Holy Spirit. I speak in other tongues. Nobody wants to listen to you when you're not talking in tongues because you're nasty. So I don't care what you think you are. If you don't have the love of God, you're lacking some things. There's other things called the fruit of the Spirit that you got to have as well. So it ain't just about that. It's that too. So when you get the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, it makes you better than you. And, and some of you are wondering... How do I take that step, Pastor? How, how do I take my next step? I, I see these people up here singing, and they're, they're so free and all these things. What's, what's, what is it that they have that I don't have? It's probably the Holy Ghost. But you can receive it today. Look at your name and tell them you can receive it. And today, that's going to be my prayer today, that some of you would receive it. Some of y'all are going to get wrecked in it. Some of y'all are probably going to speak in tongues, and you ain't spoken tongues in a really long time. And we believe in that stuff here at this church. And I hope it doesn't weird you out. It's in your Bible, okay? And so whether it's you choose to do it or choose not to do it, just let me know that God will deal with people in different ways. And the way that he deals with people, don't be judging, okay? That's just the way he's going to deal with certain people. But, but listen, some of you, God's spirit is going to touch you. It's going to wreck you. And you need that in your life because it's going to make you better than you going to make you better than you but then you get to this point now where peter stands up and he begins to preach because everyone's looking around and they're like oh my god that 120 people made a lot of ruckus in the upper room and those 120 people began to walk out into the streets speaking in other languages and it really confused the mob that was in jerusalem so they asked peter yo what is all of this and peter began to preach why because the holy ghost on the inside of him equipped him and enabled him and empowered him to preach with authority that he's never preached with before and all of a sudden the anointing that was on his life substantiated the relationship that he had with christ 
And sometimes that's what you need. You need to have that anointing part that comes alongside your relationship. It's okay to lean into the presence of God and say, baptize me with your spirit in such a tangible way that when I am done praying and I walk out, the rest of my family says to me, you look different. You, you, you look different. This is what they said about the disciples in the book of Acts. They said, these are the men who had been with Jesus. Just because they had been with Jesus, things were different. You ever seen someone like that where you just knew, I like being around that person. Why? Because they've been with Jesus. You can tell they've spent time in his presence. You can always tell when someone's been in his presence, right? Yeah, you can. I'm not talking about they went to church. Some people go to church and they leave the exact same way they came in. They enjoyed the show. But then there's people that lean in. And they didn't just come to church, but they came into his presence. And they had an encounter with God. And when they had an encounter with God, things changed. They walked a little different. There's a different grace about them. Why? Because they had been baptized and filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And so now Peter stands up and begins to preach to them. It's the last thing that I want you to write down. We get to share the promise. Once you've received God's promise, you share God's promise. And I don't mean to pick on my family who's here, but I have a cousin who's getting baptized here today. He actually lives in the state of Washington, but he came here on vacation. And his brother, who recently received the promise, began to share the promise. And he said, you ain't going back to Washington unless you get baptized. So he's getting baptized here. <laughs> because he shared. If God has done something for you, tell somebody. Share it with somebody. He's been too good to you to just be silent he's been too good to you to be silent he's been too good to you for you not to tell somebody peter stood up and began to preach think about this for a second peter stands up and probably some of those people that were at the party are looking at him like is that the same dude like that's him isn't it that that that's him he's preaching i know He's preaching. <laughs> he said he wasn't with Jesus, and now he's preaching. And they couldn't believe what happened. But that's what happens when you receive the promise. That's what happens when you receive the promise. Now, Peter, on the other hand, Peter stands up. He's preaching. And he probably makes eye contact with the persons that were there at the bonfire. And for a moment, Peter's probably thinking, man, I shouldn't be preaching. I shouldn't be. I lied. I, I denied him. But do you want to know what allowed him to look beyond his own faults? The Holy Spirit. And some of you need that for your life because you can't look beyond the guilt and the shame and the disappointment that you have experienced in your life. Some of it, you did that. Some of it, you walked into it. Some of it, the mess in your life has nothing to do with the devil and it has everything to do with your decisions. And what can break that shame? Look at your neighbor and tell them, it's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. And for some of you, now listen to me. Stuff was done to you that should have never been done to you. Some of you are living with guilt and shame, and it's not your fault. Some of you are carrying a burden and you're carrying hurt because someone did something to you. And I don't care how much you pray to God, you're never going to come to an answer that's going to satisfy you. You never will. What's going to help you to overcome that? The Holy Spirit. The same power. The same 
power that's going to give you the that's going to give you what you need to overcome the mistakes you made is the same power that's going to give you the, 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 what you need to overcome the things that have been done to you. It's the same power. And that's why you need to receive the Holy Ghost today. And for some of you, that's why you need to be baptized today. Break the shackles of guilt today. Break the shackles of shame today. Break the disappointments. Break the guilt. Break all of those things today. We bury it in a watery grave. That's what's so beautiful about baptism because we go into this and, and Paul calls this a watery grave. Watery grave. And as you come out of this thing, you don't have to carry those things with you anymore. The guilt, the shame, the hurt, the disappointment, what you've done to others, what you've done to yourself, what others have done to you, you don't have to live with that anymore. So if you've not yet been baptized and you would like to get baptized today, you're thinking, today, pastor, I'm not ready. You don't need to be ready because guess what? We got shorts. We got shirts. We got flip-flops. Listen, if you need some drawers, we got that too. All right? We got you covered. We got you covered. You can be baptized too day as a matter of fact i already saw one person who wasn't scheduled to get baptized go back and pick up a t-shirt and a towel because as the preaching was going forward the word convicted him on the inside of his heart he's now getting dressed and he's about to get baptized in jesus name and he didn't plan on getting baptized but that's what happens when the word comes forward the word will convict change and it is going to come into your life and it is going to do a work that only the power of god can do it's going to do a work that only the power of God can do. So let's all stand up on our feet. I want to pray with you right now. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.